Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. Over on social media at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Don't forget the hashtag S-G-N-855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. And ladies and gentlemen, it is Super Bowl week. Yeah, that's right. It is the big game. It is the Super Bowl. And I'm going to preview everything today. We have to look at this Super Bowl as one of the toughest to handicap in history. The closest Super Bowl closing lines ever. Let's go back and look. 49ers, Chiefs. Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. Dolphins, Washington. Dolphins were a one and a half point favorite. Niners, Bengals. Bengals, one point favorite. Seahawks, Patriots, Patriots, one point favorite. There has been four Super Bowls in history with a line under two. Where we sit today, the Philadelphia Eagles are a one and a half point favorite. Man, I got to tell you, I'm pumped up for it. You look at you look at all these games uh, that did end with, with such a close line. And I have to tell you, most of them are good games, right? I, I expect a really good game. I don't expect to blow out one way or the other here. I really don't. The favorite team in the Super Bowl is 39-17 and 17 straight up. The favorite team has done really, really well. But I will tell you this. The point spread doesn't matter. The outright winner is 47-7-2 against the spread. So, basically, you know, the spread doesn't matter. If you're going out there and you're saying, yeah, I want to go bet on the Eagles, well, lay the one and a half and don't care about it. If you're going out there and saying, I want to take the uh, the Chiefs, well, take a money line, right? I mean, go out there and take them money line. A lot of people are going to be doing it. A lot of people are going to go out there and be betting. Last year, close to $7 billion of wagers across the United States. That's an average of about $20 per American citizen. This year, it's supposed to be 50.4 American adults to bet on the Super Bowl. 61% increase from the record last year. That's according to American Gaming. Betters plan to wager an estimated $16 billion on this year's championship game. Simply unbelievable. We also have a very unique situation from a sports betting standpoint because it is the first Super Bowl being held in a state where you could legally bet on the game. Arizona is a, a, a state where you could bet on the game. Yeah, people are going to be betting on the game. That's pretty cool. Okay, so for 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 a sports betting world, that that's a big monumental jump up. That is a pretty cool situation. So let's look at both of these teams. 
First, let's break down the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, Patrick Mahomes' ankle has been a question mark, but I think he answered a lot of those questions in Cincinnati, uh, against Cincinnati. You look at what he did, and he looked fantastic. Patrick Mahomes has had now multiple games in his career where he has a, a hurt ankle, one on the, two on the left, one on the right, okay? So he's had a, a, a banged-up ankle. He's performed spectacularly in every one of them, uh, spectacularly in every one of those. Now, the Chiefs are here for the third time in four years. The Chiefs are starting to talk about dynasty, but the, the dynasty has to get a win here. Or else, all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is sitting there with a 1-2 and two Super Bowl record, and he's going, what went wrong? Andy Reid starts to get the moniker. Andy Reid went to the Super Bowl five times, right? Starts to get the moniker of a guy that can't win. Went to the NFC Championship game five times with the Eagles, only won one. And then he lost the subsequent Super Bowl. Uh, could not get the ring in Philadelphia. Came to KC, got the ring, then he's lost. If he loses again... His moniker is now all of a sudden the guy that can't win the big one. He's got one, and that's it. I mean, it's a tough situation, but that's the reality of it. The Chiefs thought that they were going to take a step back this year. Well, everybody thought the Chiefs were going to take a step back. They did not. Andy Reid kind of scoffed at the fact that Tyreek Hill was leaving, and he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to go build a team around him with a bunch of guys that could go replace his nearly 1,300 yards. And he did. His receivers got about 1,800 yards. And he did it a little bit with Juju. He did a little bit with uh, MVS. He did a little bit with Kadarius Toney late in the year. A little bit with Mecole Hardman, who's going to miss this game. Mahomes was able to spread the ball around. And the Chiefs cruised to a 14-3 record. 14-3 record is nothing to scoff at. Right? He goes to the Super Bowl here, does Mahomes, on a seven-game winning streak. They haven't lost in a long time. They have not lost in a while. Travis Kelsey has been absolutely spectacular. Travis Kelsey has lifted his game and elevated his game to another level Every time the playoffs come, it seems like he elevates his game once again. Yeah, that's crazy. So Travis Kelsey and MVS and Juju and Nicole Hardman and Kadarius Toney and Jarek McKinnon, all of these guys catch balls out of the backfield, including, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah Pachenko. Eight players on the Chiefs had 250 or more yards in the regular season. That is absolutely unbelievable, right? So from a defensive standpoint, who do you cover? How do you cover? How do you do it? And that gives more credence to Andy Reid designing a play game, play game uh, and, and a you know game plan that you just look at and you can't figure it out. And Mahomes executing exactly that. By the way, the Chiefs not only had the number one seed, not only had a 14-3 and record, but the Chiefs' three losses this year came by a combined eight points. They had a point differential of plus 127. So you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, guys, were eight points away from being undefeated, finishing the season completely unscathed. That is unbelievable when you're looking at what the Chiefs have done. But from a betting standpoint, guys, despite all of that, Chiefs finished 7-11-1 against the spread. They lost people money that backed them. Because oftentimes their giant numbers were inflated because they are the Chiefs, right? I mean, that, that's who they are. But the Chiefs do, uh, did have a 5-0 record straight up against the spread against the NFC. Okay, so they do do well against teams that don't really see them often, don't know how to prepare for them. The Kansas City Chiefs went through the team that everybody was all on top of in the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody thought, okay, this Cincinnati team was going to be the undoing of them. The Kansas City Chiefs went right through them. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the other side of this. And the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that preseason it was 40 to 1. Preseason, it was 40 to 1 for them to be in this position. Now, the Eagles may have had an easy schedule. One of the reasons I gave uh, one of the only team total overs 
I gave two team total overs, the Vikings, and we hit it, and the Eagles. Why? Because they had a pretty easy schedule. And then their playoff schedule got pretty easy as well. Everybody will point to that. But from 40 to 1, it quickly went to 25 to 1 right after they beat Detroit in week one. Then it went all the way down to 5 to 1 heading into week eight. So people bought into the Eagles pretty quickly. They bought into the Eagles because they saw that Jalen Hurts, wow, he's the real deal, right? So no more Nick Foles, no more Carson Wentz when they went to the Super Bowl in 2018. It's almost a complete turnover here. Now it's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in his third season was leading the MVP race. He's now going to finish second to Patrick Mahomes, but he was leading the MVP race when he went down. He is an MVP caliber quarterback. Third season in the NFL. He finished with 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, and was 10th in the league in passing yards. Fourth in the league in quarterback rushing yards, despite missing the final three games. Well, two of the last three games. He was banged up at the end of the year, and he looked banged up. Now, the Eagles jumped out to a quick 8-0 start. Then they lost to the Commanders, but they still finished at 14-3. and See the trend? Them in Kansas City, 14-3. and Still had the number one overall seed. See the trend? Or number one overall seed, right? So you look at this and you go, yeah, absolutely, um, this is an Eagles team that may have had an easy schedule, but they dominated the schedule that they had. They were over 500 covering the spread, 9-8, and eight, okay? And you look at the Eagles and you just say, yeah, they are, are a well-balanced team. While I talk nothing about Mahomes and Reed and Mahomes and Reed on one side with the Kansas City Chiefs, well, the Eagles, they were top six, both offense and defense. They could run the ball. They could pass the ball. They have two dynamic wide receivers. They have a great running game. They could come after you because they did have the highest sack percentage rate in the league, but they could also pick the ball off. On the offensive side of the ball, the Eagles are top three in points, top three in yards, top three in touchdowns, Top three in first downs. Top three in interceptions on defense. Oh, okay. You know, you you start to look at that and you go, that is something to pay attention to. Now, head-to-head, we didn't get to see them go head-to-head this year. And during the playoffs, we've seen a lot of teams go head-to-head with each other. And we've seen a lot of number two matchups, number three matchups over the course of the season. But head-to-head, we have to go all the way back to last year. Well, the Chiefs won 42-30. to That was last October. And the Chiefs went 42-30 to where Patrick Mahomes looked absolutely fantastic. Simply fantastic. So you look at how much can we take away from that. Well, the Eagles in the offseason did everything they could to turn around and say, yeah, look, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to absolutely 100% and completely renovate this defense. So you don't think that they're going to give up 42 in a game like this. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Andy Reid, yeah, he's undefeated against the Eagles. He's 3-0. He's actually 3-0 against the Chiefs when he was on the Eagles, too, for those that like those, those obscure kind of stats. One of the stats that I think favors the Eagles pretty largely here that people are overlooking here is that the team with the most rushing yards has gone on uh, a 41-15 on the money line, 39-14-3 against the spread. The team with the most rushing yards during the regular season, that is. Now, the Eagles ranked 5th in rushing yards this year. Chiefs are 20th. It's just not their game, right? I mean, it's just not their game to go out there and run the ball. So can that be a determining factor? You would expect so. You like terrible little stats and trends? How about this one? The team that was won the coin toss has lost the last eight consecutive Super Bowls. I don't know how much that we're holding up that, but people like stats, people like trends. I'm not buying into that one. <laughs> okay. So let, let's, let's talk about some of the just the subplots to this game. Patrick Mahomes 
is a subplot here, and I just did a YouTube video on this. Patrick Mahomes is really the plot, but he's becoming a subplot because his legacy is on the line. His legacy is on the line here with a win and a loss. With a win, you will, as you've heard already this week, you will hear people start to have a conversation about, is Patrick Mahomes the greatest of all time? Is Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback ever? That conversation will begin because he's got five years in the league. He's got two MVPs. He would have two Super Bowl wins in his first five years and a Super Bowl loss and constantly, basically, his entire career hosting the AFC Championship game. He's got unparalleled skills, athleticism, and now his successes are starting to go with it. Patrick Mahomes is carving out a simply fantastic career. There's not many guys in the history of the NFL uh, that that have done what he's done. You know, I, I mean, you look at you look at the quarterbacks, right? Look at the quarterbacks for you know the history of the game. How many quarterbacks have won two or more Super Bowls? How many? Right? Terry Bradshaw's got four. Aikman three. Roethlisberger's two. Starbacks two. Eli's two. Greasy's two. Bart Starr's two, Jim Plunkett's two. Y- you got a few, but it's basically, I mean, it's more than a one handful, but you got 12 of them, okay? And you got Elway's two, Manning's two, Montana's four, Brady's seven. So in five years, all of a sudden, with a win, Patrick Mahomes goes into the Jim Plunkett, Bart Starr, Bob Greasy, Eli Manning, Roger Starback, Ben Roethlisberger territory. Suddenly. Wow. All of a sudden, that's where Patrick Mahomes goes with a win. With a win, he sets himself up in a a great position. And by the way, Roethlisberger, Starback, Manning, Greasy, Star, Plunkett, when they got their Super Bowls, they didn't also have two MVPs in his first five years. But there is the other side of this argument, and I've made this argument uh, pretty loud, and I will make it again here. If Patrick Mahomes loses the Super Bowl, it also secures a little bit of a legacy. Secures a little bit of a legacy because Patrick Mahomes would then be one and two in Super Bowls. Super Bowl losses hurt. It hurts the argument. There are still people out there that despite Tom Brady having seven, despite Tom Brady going out there and having seven Super Bowls, will ding him for losing three. Those people are the Joe Montana people that say four and oh, right? They will ding him for that. So if you have two losses and only one win, how many do you need to get to get over that heap? Well, two and two isn't going to get it done. Three and two won't get it done. Four and two, maybe. But you're going to have the Montana people saying, well, he's four and oh. You have the Brady people going, yeah, well, maybe I lost one more. But look, he won three more. Five and two? I mean, five and two is probably a conversation. So you're looking at this and saying, hey, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you're 28 years old, right? You probably have 10, 12 years left in the league. Will will be be favorable and say twelve years left in the league, but if he loses the Super Bowl, you got to go out there and win four or five more championships. That's incredible, and the idea that let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes has shrunk in the Super Bowl. His career numbers in the Super Bowl are not very good, guys. Two games played, fifty nine of uh, fifty two of ninety one, fifty seven percent completion percentage. That's not good. Five hundred seventy three net yards. Three touchdowns, four turnovers. Horrible. 64.2% passer rating and a 23.12 QBR. Terrible, guys. I, I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has not 
performed terribly, but he's looked bad. Patrick Mahomes has not looked good in the Super Bowl. So now you have a two-lost guy that hasn't looked good in the Super Bowl. Yeah, this could become a problem. Same thing with Andy Reid. Like I mentioned before, you know his legacy is on the line of the guy that can't get it done, can't get the win, right? I mean, that is on the line when you look at what Andy Reid has done. So the legacies are there. Legacies are certainly on the line. How about the scoring, right? Since we know it's going to be a close game, what about some scoring? And I will get into prop plays later on in the show. But how about some scoring here? Kansas City averaged a league-high 29.2 points this season. Philly was a point worse, okay, 28. So both of them have explosive offenses, which is why this number has risen from 49 to 51 and a half. Right? These defenses are good, but both of these teams have the ability to put up 30 points. Both of them have the uh, quarterback to go out there and put up 30 points. The Eagles put up 30 points in both of their playoff games so far. Right? I mean, both of their playoff games. Now, in the conference title game, they only put up 269 yards. Right? So, I mean, it. they have some problems here. They're going up against a good defense in that spot. Philly hit 30 points in both of their games. Now, they didn't finish the season off well, but Jalen Hurts was injured. Chiefs, by the way, uh, 27 and 23 points this postseason. So, I mean, they're right there, right? They reached 30 points in four of the last 10 regular season games. So if that 30 number might be out there, by the way, there is a prop play. Can you get to 30? Can a team get to 30? But both of these teams, they're over-under for prop play or team total Set at 24, 24 and a half, depending on where you're looking. Both of those really look pretty good right now, don't they? Both of those, if you like the over, you might want to just do that. And that's something I do tell people. If you do like the over, right, you sort of want to to try to take a shot. Why not turn around and take the over 24 and a half in, for both of the teams? You might get both wins. You might get a double win. Uh, if you like the over... Chances are you're going to get at least one of the two. It's something to pay attention to as well. Let's talk a little bit about the defenses here. The Kansas City Chiefs defense. You're going to talk about the pass rush that was really good against the Bengals. But the Bengals were dealing with three backup uh, offensive linemen. Their secondary is very young. Guys like McDuffie, they played okay, but they're very young. So I know that the Eagles love to run the ball. And they're going to try to run it and try to establish the run with Sanders and Gainwell and Scott and Hurts. They're going to try to do that. But there's also the idea that why don't we go deep? Why don't we test these young corners? With Smith and A.J. Brown and Goddard, you can do that. The Eagles' offense is well-rounded. And you don't know what they're really going to kind of come out and do. You know that they want to establish the run. But wouldn't it be better in a lot of cases for them to go out there and really go out there and just throw it all day on a very susceptible defense? I think it would be, right? I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, guys. It makes a lot of sense for them to go out there and say, we're going to throw it because I see a weakness. I see a weakness out there, and the weakness is, is these young corners and safeties. That could be the difference maker. There is a difference maker on the other side, though, right, where you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and their defense, yeah, they could rush the passer. And getting after Patrick Mahomes or getting after, little, look, any cornerback, at all, giving him pressure is going to be a key to success. Philadelphia can get after you. But Philadelphia also has a hole in their defense. 
And that can be exploitable by Patrick Mahomes. Mike Hilton from the Cincinnati Bengals was targeted eight times, allowed seven catches for 120 yards. Mahomes had a perfect QBR, 158.3 against him. Okay. And Hilton, what they did was constantly try to get Hilton on one on one situations. Why? Because Hilton is five foot nine. He's five foot nine and was constantly matched up against Kelsey and Valdez Scanling. And he was torched by Kelsey and Valdez Scanling over and over and over again. Where Bradbury and Slay, the corners for the Philadelphia Eagles, are six foot one and six foot. Okay? Their free safety and shrug safety is a six foot one and five eleven. There's no sure matchup problem there. But hold on a second. When you get into a slot and nickel package, their corners in the slot are Avante Maddox and Josiah Scott. Avante Maddox comes in at five foot nine. Josiah Scott comes in at five foot nine. So I think that slot in the nickel and dime packages that they're going to have to try to exploit is going to be a massive key for that side of the ball. I think the Eagles have the better defense here, okay? Um, But they are exploitable, which we just saw how the Kansas City Chiefs will absolutely sit back and exploit them if given that opportunity. If given that opportunity, they're going to take their shots. They're going to take their stabs. Last thing here, I, I know, look, the defense ranks second in efficiency. I get it. The last thing here, though, that I really think is a big-time storyline that I'm not sure will be a storyline during the game is both of these guys' injuries. Jalen Hurts is banged up, but look, he should be okay with a week's rest. I watched him at the end of the year and into the playoffs. He does not look like the same guy that we watched during the 8-0 run. I will tell you that straight out. But the week off, you have to assume that Jalen Hurts is going to be okay. Maybe he doesn't run as much. But he's got to be better than he looked last week. At least you hope so if you're an Eagles fan. Patrick Mahomes, also you have to hope he's healthier. But injured right ankles don't heal quickly in two weeks. I think the Patrick Mahomes injury is being downgraded a little bit here. And the Jalen Hurts injury is kind of being talked about maybe a little bit more than it should. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Lots more to do on the show. We'll be back right after this. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? All right, guys, what are the odds? I talk about prop plays a lot, and I do enjoy the prop plays. But sometimes, you know, a prop play gets a little bit crazy, and people are just taking a shot. A non-quarterback to throw a touchdown pass is one of the more popular prop plays this season. Right now, it is getting a lot of money that really, you know, it's fun money. I get it because it's plus 2,000. But let me give you a little stats on that prop play. The the odd is non-quarterback to throw a touchdown pass. Not a pass, but a touchdown pass is plus 2,000. Now, a non-quarterback to throw a pass is plus about 3 to 1. So you can see the difference there. Since 2011, which was Super Bowl 45, 22 different players have attempted to pass in the Super Bowl. Of those, five were non-quarterbacks. So you're talking about 23%. Two of them threw a touchdown. Burton and Mixon were the only two to throw touchdowns. Kansas City had one non-quarterback attempt a pass this season. The Eagles had zero. I don't think that's a good bet. That is what are the odds. All right, guys, we are here with Kevin Bryan. Kevin is the author of Spies on the Sidelines, the high-stakes world of NFL espionage. I want to bring Kevin back on. We've had him on the show before, and it was a great segment. You guys absolutely loved it out there. 
But now it's the Super Bowl, right? It's the big game. Here we go. And you would think that if there is nefarious things going on, well, the Super Bowl would be a place that it absolutely would take place more than anywhere else. I know that we talked to Kevin at length the last time, but the Super Bowl is a different entity. And I got a couple of questions to ask him about how the Super Bowl directly results in maybe a little shenanigans going on on the sidelines. How you doing today, Kevin? Uh, great. Thanks for having me back on, Tom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you look at the Super Bowl here and we're talking about uh, you know, 50 plus million people are going to be watching. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the betting element is in this and the betting element is absolutely massive when you talk about the the amount. The American Gaming Association put it out there th- th- this week that last year, 50.4 million American adults are expected to bet on the Super Bowl. That's a 61% increase from the record of last year. So when you start to hear about this and you start to hear about the word fix, you start to see last week uh, or two weeks ago, I should say, during the championship games, people complaining about the refs. All of a sudden, you know who popped into my head? You, when we're talking about spies on the sidelines and what kind of advantage teams would be getting. So why don't you take us a, a little bit of a history has there been any spying that has been caught on the sidelines during an NFL or a Super Bowl game? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, there's quite a bit of spying that has gone on in the uh, in Super Bowl history. So I think, you know, one of the, the biggest and better known cases of this was back in 2002 when you've got the Super Bowl with the Patriots and Rams going on, right? And the what ended up happening is the day before the Super Bowl, the Patriots and the Rams both conducted walkthrough practices at the Super Bowl facility. The Patriots went first, followed by the Rams practicing. When the Patriots had finished their practice, all of their staff left the field and the area, except for a couple of videographers who hung about and proceeded to watch the Rams conduct their, uh, conduct their practice. And so while the Rams were practicing, they, well, they showed a few really key things in the lead up to the Super Bowl. Um, one was that how was Marshall Falk going to be used? Um, he's their star running back. And he he was catching passes out of the flat, which he doesn't normally do. He was returning kickoffs that he didn't normally do. The Rams also practiced a bunch of um, red zone plays that the Patriots were aware of. Um, and so when the videographers from the Patriots finished watching that practice, they went back to the New England Hotel and debriefed the defensive coordinator on everything that they saw. As a result, the Patriots were ready for all of it and pulled up one of the biggest upsets in NFL history because of that. 
seemingly all roads lead back to Belichick and the Patriots. It seems like any conversation that we have about spying on the sidelines uh, was about Belichick and the Patriots. So, you know, that is the, one of the more famous, uh, you know, ones that we have talked about in the history of spying. But it it didn't start with Belichick and the Patriots. He didn't exactly, you know, just turn around and say, okay, I'm going to invent this, right? Take us through a little bit of history about the spying on the sidelines. Right. So, absolutely not. You know, spying, so first of all, it takes all different shapes and forms, right? And spying is, you know, a really loose term. It just means collecting information on your opponent. And there's lots of different ways that is done through permissible, questionable, and illicit methodology. Um, you know, you can take, uh, you know, spying in a championship game, I know at least goes back as far as 1958. So what you have there was a game, the Colts versus the Giants. And those teams had played earlier in the year with the Giants pulling out a narrow three-point victory. So going into the championship game, which is also going to be held in New York, the Colts coach, Weave Eubank, is desperate to figure out, how do I overcome this three-point deficit? And so what he ends up doing is asking his assistant coach, Bob Shaw. He says, Bob, I need you to go spy on, on the Giants while they're conducting practice. And Bob does not feel very comfortable about this and tells Coach Eubank as much. So, um, you know, Bob Shaw thinks he's, he's got out of it when all of a sudden Carol Rosenblum approaches him a while later and says, hey, Bob, we really need you to spy on this practice. And so very reluctantly, um, yeah, Bob, he ends up going on top of the, a roof of the building that overlooks where the Giants are practicing, and he spies on a practice and brings all the information that he's learned back to Coach Eubank, <clears throat> who, you know, is able to kind of base his game plan around that. And as a result, um, the Colts end up winning what becomes known as the greatest game ever played on two teams that were incredibly even matched, evenly matched, um, which is really when spying comes into play, you know, because two, uh, uh, a really, you know, a big underdog is likely ne not going to beat a heavily favored team. But when two teams are relatively evenly matched, you know, spying can be that difference between winning and losing. And so when you get to the Super Bowl, you know it's going to be two great teams, and they're looking for every little edge to get an advantage. Well, that kind of brings us to this game. Um, there has been four spreads in the history of the NFL Super Bowl. Four spreads ever that were two points or less. This would be the fifth. And we're talking to Kevin Bryant. You guys can go check out his book, spiesonthesidelines.com. And Kevin, we come into this game, and you just said it, two teams very, very close together. But for me, the obvious advantage would be the quarterbacks and their injuries. Right? I mean, we're looking at it in a position right now where uh, most of the question marks that are surrounding the Eagles are, is Jalen Hurts healthy? Because he hasn't looked healthy for a couple of weeks. Is Patrick Mahomes going to come back from being healthy from the ankle? Now, it didn't look like it bothered him last game, but that could be a problem. Do you believe that they're doing everything? Like you said, maybe not undermined, but do you believe they're doing every single thing possible, maybe even bending the rules a little bit to find out the exact health of each one of these quarterbacks? Yeah, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind. So 
you know, there's a few ways you're going to be looking at trying to determine that, the health of a player. So, um, obviously, film study on the last game um, to look at every little thing. And, you, you know, a team could be sitting there with a doctor, having a doctor watch the film to give them their opinion on how that player is doing. You know, is he is he 60% healthy? Is he 70% healthy? Is it his, you know, is it his ankle that's bothering him? Is it his calf? to try to figure out as much as possible. Then they're also going to be going through the media to listen to any sort of tip, uh, hear any information, maybe from a player or a coach that's going to reveal anything about what's going on, as well as watching film. So, you know, I'll give you an example of how film can give away important information about this type of thing. So in 94, Cowboys coaches were watching a, a news reporter who is broadcasting from a Buffalo Bills practice. And in the background, they saw Jim Kelly throw a shovel pass to uh, the Bills running back, Thurman Thomas. Now, the Bills had never thrown a shovel pass all season long. And so the Cowboys staff quickly realized this was something that very likely Buffalo was looking at inserting for, you know, for the Super Bowl. And so they adjusted accordingly. It ended up uh, when the Bills ran that play, um, the Cowboys caused a fumble, recovered the ball, and it was a huge, huge um, momentum change for the game. But likewise, you know, you can look at, you know, media and even the warm-up of another team to try to dissect how healthy is the quarterback. And so even before the game, during warm-up, they're going to have one person or more and maybe even a doctor helping them analyze how healthy is Jalen Hurts and how healthy is Patrick Mahomes. You know, one of the things I always found really interesting, that, that, that's good stuff. I, I like the, uh, the shovel pass story. That, that is, that's really good stuff. Um, one of the things I always found really interesting, and I try to tell people, look, professional sports better for uh, more than a decade now, right? And I tell people all the time, Watch for the misinformation. I don't listen to agents. I don't care about that, right? I've heard stories in the NFL where teams intentionally leave fake playbooks and hope that the other team kind of grabs it. Teams intentionally, like you said, during warm-ups, will do silly little plays and hope that the team overreacts to it. How much do you think is that there is a concentrated effort to show unintentional, uh, things that that are intentionally, well, here, we're not really going to do this, and making sure that the other team goes, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, should we prepare for that? How much do you think that's a concentrated effort and a design to throw them off the scent? Yeah, so it goes on all the time. So what you're really, what teams, you know, spend so much time identifying are tendencies of other teams. Meaning, if it is a third and two, what is the statistical probability of the upcoming play? So they look through all the other teams, um, you know, they look at, all those situations of third and short to try to develop those probabilities of what is likely going to take place if they encounter the same thing when they play that team. Now, there's a couple ways that opponents get a, deal with tendencies because they know their opponent is going to have that information. One is changing their pattern. And so, you know, for the 1972 Super Bowl, um, which capped off my, Miami's perfect season, um, coach Don Shula knew that the opposing coach, George Allen, um, was a master of doing film study and determining tendencies. 
So what Don Shula ended up doing was he said, you know what? Whatever we are statistically normally do during a play, we're going to do something different. We're not going to repeat our pattern. So that's one way to deal with it. The other way to deal with tendencies um, is, or not even tendencies, but necessarily if you think your opponent knows what's going on and what's going to happen. So, for example, like a lot of teams will debrief, will brick, will they'll find players that were recently cut or released from another team, and they'll try to learn a bunch of information. Some of that information will include their signals or their um, or the play call that in, you know an audio play call that another team might use, and so. You know, a team can do a few things. One, they can change that that audible or that, you know, the signal that they're using for that play. Or they can try to trick an opponent. Okay? So in this so they can do something like, Hey, we know the guy knows this play. So instead of changing the call for that play, we're simply going to make that same play call a different play. So whereas it looks Whereas on third and one, that play call used to mean we'll do a run up the middle. Instead, it means we're going to do a fake handoff. The quarterback's going to bootleg and look to hit the tight end 30 or 40 yards downfield. Because what's going to happen is that player who knows what this play call is, is going to say, hey, it's a run up the middle. And then those safeties are going to come up into the box, leaving the backfield wide open for a big play. And that type of stuff, absolutely takes place all the time. It's a big cat and mouse game um, in NFL circles. And yeah, it goes on week in and week out. We're on the phone with Kevin Bryant. You guys go check him out. Check out his book, Spies on the Sidelines. You can get that at spiesonthesidelines.com. Kevin, my last question to you, and this is more, I guess it's more speculation than anything else, right? Um, Would be, what do you... Well, not even speculation. I guess you know you're you're the foremost of uh, opinion maker here, so it's your opinion. But what do you consider the line to cross where it's actually become spying, right? Because that line has moved. We know that with technology, the line has moved. Where do you think, like you said, look, getting a playbook, uh, you know, signing a guy so you could find out plays that that's all done a lot. And no, it's not spying, but it's a form of it, of course. Uh, you know, watching a pregame, things like that. Not really spying, but it's kind of on the line. So the foremost expert in this subject is you. I need to know from you, where do you see the line being drawn? Yeah, Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. So, you know, there are those techniques that clearly violate NFL rules and policies, such as putting a listening device in another team's locker room. Um, You know, that's clearly over the line. Uh, maybe breaking into another team's um, headquarters facilities to try to gain, you know, get access to their computers or their paperwork, clearly over the line and, and, and breaks uh, laws. But, you know, it's really, it can get very tough to determine because there's, there's this world of gray out there. So, for example, um, Lip reading. You know, all the, you see all those coaches today hold up play sheets over their mouth to try to, you know, cover cover up their mouth when they're speaking so that an opponent 
uh, can't use a lip reader to determine what play that they're sending in. And that's absolutely a real threat. It's gone on. It takes place. I've interviewed a uh, professional lip reader and, and, and read a bunch of plays to him. And he was amazing at being able to decipher them. So it's a huge and very real threat. Now, some coaches will tell you, hey, that's just a part of the game. And others will say, nah, man, that's underhanded and dirty and it's cheating. And it's somewhere in the middle. And it's, the truth is, you know, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. Um, it's based on your values and what you believe. I would say if it clearly breaks, breaks the law or it breaks NFL rules and, or policies, it's cheating, period. If, having said that, there are some things that are done that are commonly accepted, even though they break NFL rules and policies. It's just accepted that type of stuff goes on, like spying on other teams' practices. Um, a lot of coaches will just tell you, eh, everybody does it. It's no big deal. So, you know, <laughs> it's a, I don't mean to waffle on answering that, but it's, it's extremely difficult to, you know, to define what is, you know, what is cheating because it's not just what breaks rules, but it's what is socially acceptable by the norms of NFL coaching staff and NFL players because that stuff goes on all the time. That's a good answer because I don't think that you're right. I don't think there is a clear cut answer. Guys, it has been a fantastic journey here. Kevin Bryant, go check him out on Facebook, Kevin Bryant.author, over on Instagram, Kevin Bryant.author as well, Twitter. Kev Bryant, author, and you can go get the book at spiesonthesidelines.com. Kevin, thanks for all of your time. Enjoy the big game, my man. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, guys, that was good stuff. I, I got to tell you, you know, it is so much more uh, out in the open than we are even used to, and it's good to have somebody on like that. I, I, I can't stand in the sports betting world when somebody loses a bet and then they go, oh, it's fixed, it's fixed, oh, come on, it's fixed. Yeah, I'm not naive to think that referees, officials aren't maybe swayed by a home crowd, by the emotion, by the moment of the game. Um, but let's let's not get crazy with the Arian Foster, uh, you know, conversation that everybody gets a script. Let's not get into that. Is there spying? You know, listen, I think that there's a an absolute argument that Kevin just made that there, there is. A, it's not even an argument anymore. Of course there is. Uh, but that doesn't mean games are fixed or anything. And don't don't let that uh, kind of sneak into that. We, you're going to hear it again. You know, a bad call goes one way. Something goes wrong. Oh, this team wanted this team to win. You know, and the NFL is still a product. I get it. Um, but, uh, guys, you, you can't go about life thinking that way. With that, with that being said, spying is real. And taking the advantage is real. Uh, it is going to be talked about forever. There was a great wrestler that said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Now, I don't exactly go by that moniker, but I get it, right? I mean, I get it. Your jobs are on the line. Your livelihood's on the line. To feed your family is on the line in some cases. And you're going to do everything to get that last little advantage. So I don't advocate for it, but I definitely am not naive to think that it doesn't happen. I do think the Super Bowl is probably clamped down a lot more uh, than every other game. So I think that there is going to be very little, if any, but they're going to be trying to get every legal advantage. Uh, both of these teams, you could bet on that. And you're going to hear somebody down the road is not going to like a call, and they're going to use the word uh, spying or fixing or whatnot. Hey, maybe it is that they spied and got an advantage, but I don't think that we should live in a world where we think the games are rigged in any way. No, absolutely not. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. 
we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Well, let's talk about the Super Bowl MVP. Everybody loves to bet on this, don't they? Jalen Hurts comes in at plus 125. Patrick Mahomes is plus 130. Travis Kelsey is 8-1. to A.J. Brown is 10-1. to Miles Sanders, 20-1. to Devontae Smith is 25-1. to And Isaiah Pachanko is 35-1. to That is bet to the future. Hey, everybody loves the, the MVP odds. I, I say it all the time. Look, you know, bet... Kenneth Gainwell is up there. He started at 250 to 1. He's now down to 100 to 1. Okay. By the way, somebody uh, in Tennessee put a, a big bet, a couple of hundred bucks on, on him to win like 78,000 for a couple hundred bucks. So he's out there. The, the, the first non quarterback is Kelsey. Everyone's liking him. Hassan Reddick was at 50 to 1, and quickly he dropped. He's down to like 25 to 1 or, or so. You look at. Um, Overall, the, the Super Bowl MVP, look, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson with the Super Bowl MVP a long time ago. And it's a lesson that I've tried to talk about on the air multiple, multiple times. And that is just don't bet against quarterbacks. I mean, just don't bet against quarterbacks. We watched White have a simply fantastic game against the Atlanta Falcons, a game that he just should have won the MVP. And Brady walked away with it. They're the better story. I mean, it, it, what would Pachenko or Miles Sanders have to do? You're talking about 120, 130 yards, two touchdowns? What would Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown have to do? 100-plus yards, maybe two touchdowns? You know, so if you like that, look, if you like that, why don't you just do do something like the yards, a touchdown? You do a parlay, right? You do Give me a parlay um, of yards, touchdown, one touchdown, over yards for an A.J. Brown or a, a Devontae Smith and Philly to win. Because Philly has to win, right? So you have to get the yards. You got to win. You got to think the, the wide receiver's got to get 100 yards. A wide receiver's got to get at least one touchdown. And Philly's got to win. So take that in a parlay as opposed to the MVP odds and boost your odds. <laughs> you know, there are ways to work this market. And we talked about it during our prop play. There are certainly ways to go about this and, and work this market in your favor, right? I'm not talking about how 56% of the public is is on a touchback and how, you know, most of the people out there, 55% of the people, which is true, is on tails. No, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about working the market in your favor. For example, it seems everybody out there loves Kenneth Gainwell to get over 19 and a half yards. I've heard a lot of people talking about 19 and a half, 20 and a half, whatever it might be where you're shopping. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of people betting on that. One of the plays that I gave you guys and that I, I've liked for a while is Jarek McKinnon under 23 and a half rushing yards. Well, if you're getting bad odds and all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute, the, the Kenneth Gainwell is going up, which it did 19 and a half to 20 and a half. Oh, and McKinnon's going down from 24 and a half to 23 and a half, now down to 20 and a half in some spots. Well, wait a minute, what do I do? There are prop plays out there. You have to shop, but there's a prop play out there. Who gets more rushing yards in the game? Kenneth Gainwell at plus 105 or Jarek McKinnon? Well, wow, there you go, right? I mean, isn't that a really good shot to take? Yeah, it is. That's one that I like. How about first jersey scorer? I mean, I've talked about this on the show as well. First jersey scorer. Yeah, instead of going out there and saying, ah, I'm going to roll the dice with a guy that I'm not really getting crazy odds with, right? I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, minus 120 here or a plus 120 there with one guy. 
Well, you can get just about even money. It's minus 120 uh, for a jersey number to be under number 11 and a half. Now, under number 11 and a half, you get Jarek McKinney, you get Isaiah Pachenko, you get Juju Smith-Susta, you get Marquez, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, you get Jalen Hurts, you get A.J. Brown, you get Devontae Smith. So instead of going out there and trying uh, to, to say, hey, look, I like Jalen Hurts, so I'll lay the 120. Okay, why would you do that? Just go out there and take the first touchdown scorer. So if Hurts gets it, you get the same amount. If Hurts gets it, you get the same thing. Right? Or or if you want to go an A.J. Brown or a Devontae Smith, you're not getting incredibly good odds. Right? You're not getting great odds for that. So go out there and take a shot. Be smart about this. Don't go for the huge money. Don't go out there and get greedy and try for that massive money. Patrick Mahomes over one and a half touchdown passes. I gave you guys this last week. Well, it's gone up to two and a half in some spots. Okay, now two and a half, I've seen three. And my buddy in Vegas told me it's three in some spots. Yeah, it gets up to three, guys. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're going, yeah, maybe I go to the under, right? I mean, all of a sudden. I mentioned the Jarek McKinnon under 23 and a half uh, rushing guards. I like that. I mentioned the Nick Bolton under 10 and a half tackles. They always push defensive players up higher. 14 and 19 games under 10 and a half tackles. So you have ways to do this. You have ways to break this down. How about rushing attempts? Jarek McKinnon rushing attempts. You know, Jarek McKinnon has five or more rushing attempts in only eight of 19 games this year. It's over-unders, five and a half. Even money. So you have something like that. You know, I I, I always tell people, look, the, the Super Bowl itself is not a game that I invest heavily on a side or a total. It's usually, well, I mean, look, we're, we're out of the 90s here, right? So it's usually pretty good games. Pretty good matchups, pretty tight lines. And I, I I think the last time I bet big money on a Super Bowl side was the New England Patriots against Atlanta. I think that's the last time I bet big money on a Super Bowl side. I do like the totals. I often like the totals. But if you don't like a side and you don't like a total, here's a menu for you to go out there and absolutely crush it. Here's a menu for you to go out and be able to go out there and make money, but be smart about it. Be smart about it. My wife said to me, she said, you know, I like a clean game. I like no no turnovers. It'll probably be a good number. And I said, you know, let, let me go look. And you look at some of the offshores, and you look at some of the, the legal sports books, and no turnovers, paying about 7-1 to one or 8-1. to one. No turnovers in the game. Okay. But no fumbles in the game is plus 175. For Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts to not throw an interception is all plus money. So instead of going out there and taking the stab at the 8-1 to one odds, which sounds really good, well, why not spread that money around? Take Patrick Mahomes under at plus money, under for interceptions at plus money. Take Jalen Hurts under plus money. Take the under fumble plus almost 2-1, to one, right, plus 175. And all of a sudden, you're getting really good value back on your money and what has to happen is a clean game, which you were originally going to say. But if you don't get an actual clean game, let's say Patrick Mahomes throws a, a, a late interception or somebody, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts throws a, throws a pick early. Now, the rest of the game is over. You can still minimize the damage. So the Super Bowl, specifically prop plays in the Super Bowl, is a time to be smart, is a time to go look. You may get the same play in all these different areas, just worded quite differently, put out there quite differently, and getting maybe not great odds, but pretty good odds back. Instead of going for first touchdown, just go for touchdown, right? If you like this guy, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a stab. I'm going to take a shot 
that Juju scores the first touchdown. We'll back it up with a touchdown. Because the worst thing to happen is, you know, that guy goes out there, scores, somebody scores a touchdown first, and then Juju goes on and scores the next two. And you're going, man, why did I get greedy? Right? Why did I get greedy? There are a lot of prop plays out there that you can have fun with. There's prop plays out there that make some sense too. No player will get two touchdowns. Yeah, you have prop play for that. Sure. And then you could back that up with a guy that you really think maybe will and get really big odds. Okay, if you want to do that, you're kind of betting against yourself, but you have a chance to middle. These are the kind of things that you can do when there's this many prop plays, when there's this multiple and multitude of prop plays out there. You have to be smart, but you could find loopholes in all of these ways. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy the big game. Make a lot of money. Enjoy the finale of the NFL season. Next week, we're going to come back. I'll touch on the Super Bowl quickly, look ahead at the lines uh, for next year. But we're going to get into a lot of college basketball. You guys know I am absolutely crushing college basketball. I want to come back, start hitting on that. We'll get into the NBA. Kevin Durant has been traded. Kyrie Irving is out of town. We'll talk about that and switch our focus. But enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the conclusion of the NFL season. I think we're going to have a good game. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.